and welcome to the first episode of Activist Stories. My name's Lance Brown, and today I'm with Stormy May. Stormy is a calls herself a student of life. I would call her obviously an activist and um, sort of a, like a, a peace activist, uh, homelessness activist, and uh, foremost, what I learned about like when I met her, an animal activist. Uh, specifically horses. And uh, so, yeah, let me talk about when I met Stormy. We'll bring her in in a second. I met Stormy just about five years ago, which is surprising to me, and uh, how long, like, it's been that long. And at the time, I knew her as this person who was, had been going along, and we'll see if that's even true, had been going along with her normal life, uh, doing her thing, and had had recently, I think about a year before I met her, um, sort of a revelation, um, uh, a change in perspective about everything she was doing. And this, to me, is one of the most fascinating kinds of activist stories. This is the kind of story that makes me want to do this show. Is the kind of person who is going along and then and has a thing that they're really into in their life, and then they shift, and that same thing that they're really into takes a whole new direction and a whole and and becomes a purpose in their life and becomes something that uh that it wasn't before that uh, through thoughtfulness and and like I said a change in perspective and uh the the topic the center of that is a documentary called Path of the Horse which we'll definitely talk about in a few minutes where Stormy um uh, lays out that change in her perspective as a, a horse person her entire life who who took a major turn kind of in the middle of her life somewhere uh, to, to take a new course. Um, so yeah, let's, I'll just bring Stormy in. Welcome to the podcast, Stormy. Hi Lance. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. And I'm obviously, I'm winging it. I'm still learning how these interviews are going to go. Um, so thanks for, uh, to the listeners for the patience with my stammering and so on. And let me apologize in advance. Part of my activist Story. My personal activist story involves uh, animals, cats and dogs. So uh, anticipate interruptions from and sounds from cats and dogs throughout the the life of this podcast, most likely, because, like I said, that's part of my activist story. They're looming behind me right now, waiting to make trouble. Um, and animals actually was one of the things that Stormy and I—I well, I should say you and I—I'll I'll start talking to you now—connected <laughs> um, on at first because I am a sucker. For an animal person, and I think she's probably the same. You're the same way, right, Stormy? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, and I think that's one thing that we, you know, when when someone who has, and that's another change in perspective thing. Someone who comes to see animals in a certain way that's hard to explain to people who haven't seen them that way, and you don't have to explain it to people who have seen it. They understand what I'm saying right now. Um, but when you meet someone who has taken that perspective on animals. Um, I guess you could call it a more evolved perspective or enlightened perspective on animals. Uh, it's an immediate kinship because it's, um, well, for obvious reasons. Um, so, so yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Stormy. Uh, right around, I was trying to remember, your mid-30s or so, you had been um, animal trainer, a horse trainer, training people for uh, horse competitions, right, and equestrian stuff? Is that, am I correct? Right. I trained horses and people of all ages. I was really involved with the United States Pony Club and um, it went all over the country teaching and judging and um, 
I started a lot of young horses. I really did. I, for a while, I was conditioning polo ponies. Um, I was competing in dressage and eventing um, through the 80s and 90s. Uh, you know, did it all really for over 20 years. Um, and the, from from when you were a little kid, right? Yeah, I mean, grew up as a like a toddler, basically. Even yeah, right? it, uh, with, it, I just came out that way. I was as soon as I knew what a horse was, that's what I wanted to be with. And I I got right. my first horse at ten, and then I've had horses continuously since then. Your name, even actually, we should get that out of the way. Uh, your actual name is Marina, Marina May, and you have basically a, a pen name, a, a nom de art, or whatever, uh, which is Stormy. You use it pretty much all the time, right? I mean, no, not these days, really. I'm the people I meet in real life know me as Marina, so it, okay. it really has become more of a pen name. And you know, it doesn't matter to me. Call me what you want, but. Um, Generally, I'll introduce myself as Marina these days. These days, but for a while it was sort of your, um, if I can say it, like like sort of like your superhero. Cape. <laughs> yeah, is that I think right? It still is. From from even from when you were a kid, right? Because it evolved yeah. out of um, a, a series of books that you read as a kid. It was like one of the horses in that book, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Stormy Misty's Foal, you told me the yeah. name of the book was. Yeah, the original book was Misty of Chincoteague, and then the next one was Stormy Misty's Foal. So my best friend was Misty, and I became Stormy. And, um, yeah, we we did the whole horse girl thing. I mean, it, and then I got the real horse at 10. And for me, it was always, you know, I wasn't really into cartoon horses. I wanted the real thing. I wanted to be with horses. Right. And you were, for the most part, um, I don't know what the term is, kind of on the just the mainstream path, right, with horse, again, like you said, like horse shows, official organizations, you were uh, obviously using uh, saddles and all the conventional, just um, standard ways of handling horses and, and being with horses and all that stuff, right? Yeah. And actually, I was always fascinated by bits, the bit that you put in a horse's mouth to control it. And right. in 2003, I, I had been teaching about bits so much that I thought I'll make a video about it. So I did. I made a video called Understanding Bits, and that sold for many years. Um, but the, it was ironic that as soon as I made that video, I stopped using bits altogether and used bitless alternatives um, because I saw the damage that bits cause. And, you know, right. however you sugarcoat it, you're still hurting the horse when you pull on the reins. Right. So now we're getting to the heart of, of your transformation. So this is, like you said, 20 years in or so into your involvement with horses. And uh, I mean, would it be fair to say that you just kind of um, like accepted what you were kind of told and trained and taught and just were just doing it like you were supposed to do it? Yeah. And then eventually, like you said, but I guess for professional reasons, started digging a little more into the nitty-gritty of what is actually happening here, how does it work, how can it be done better, and so on. Right. And through that... Well, it really was out of love for certain horses in my life that were telling me... I mean, the the love of that I have for horses I've found is just the love of being together as, you know, fellow beings. So... Right. So in training them, you know, that's just what people did. So I followed along and that's what I did. 
But then there were these certain horses that came into my life that had other things to say. And they said they didn't like me riding them and they didn't like the bit and they didn't like these things. And I'm, you know, I'm holding my hands up and saying, well, it's not a matter of you liking it or not. You're, you're a riding horse and yeah, this, this is how it works. your life. And I have that discussion with my dogs about leashes every single day. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's just like this is how this is how we do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't like it any more than you, but this is what has to be done, kind of. Right. And what else could we do? So I looked, and there were other people doing slightly different things in, in like riding with no bridles on, and um, working you know, out in the open at Liberty. And so I thought, well, that looks more real. That looks more like the horse has to agree because there's nothing on their heads. So so I went and I, you know, that was kind of the path of the horse search was what, uh, what's going on here. And can I make that work with these horses who don't seem to want to do what I want them to do? Right. Now, hey, you said something uh, interesting a minute ago. You said that you came, you basically were working with some horses or probably living with them, uh, you know, like uh, in part of your life. And they started telling you, um, oh, I don't like that. You know, I don't want to do it that way. Uh, isn't it probably true to say that what really happened is you started hearing that? Like, you know, because, I mean, I'm sure those horses 10 or 20 years earlier probably weren't digging bits a whole lot either. But uh, part of it is that you you're, you're, you opened up, you uh, started listening and, and connecting in a more advanced way than you had been, and and developed more empathy. Is that am I? Yeah, that that's probably a much better description of it. Really, is is that I, you know, I had been there and done that so much, and I looked ahead and saw the people that were the top in my field, and they just didn't look like people I wanted to be like. So I went searching for myself, who do I want to be? And in that, I gained more sensitivity to the horses and saw that, that yeah, I mean, obviously, if, if they wanted to do what we're asking them to do, they would do it without any rope line yeah, Without any force being applied. To them. Right. And, you know, this is not the third world. This This is a very affluent world that I live in, and there's pastures and run-in sheds and places that horses can live a beautiful life without having to work. So it was like right. that level of lie kind of exposed myself, like exposed itself to me in in my search to truly love these animals, like love them so um, much that they don't need to work for me. Right, love them just uh, for for the sake of just the, for existing, rather than for them serving a purpose for you or uh, being a means to an end or or a, a show, a trophy or right. whatever. Right, as if you know you have your pets there. These are my animals that I want the the best for them. And when I realized that oh, riding actually damages their back, and bits and halters actually damage their head. And shoes actually damage their feet. That it's um, how can I keep doing it and still say that I love and truly have these animals' best interests in mind? Right, and so so I got to say, 
Um, one thing that I love about you as an activist and as an example of an activist is that one thing you've done, and I'm sure you, you're aware of this, people write you letters, uh, your movie, Path of the Horse, which is what, at pathofthehorse.com, right? Yeah, and yeah also ourhorses.org is really our, where I'm focusing mostly right now. Right, so ourhorses.org, it's playing there, streaming for free. And uh, I watched it. I got it as soon as almost you know as soon as I met Stormy, she gave me a copy of it on DVD. This is five years ago, and uh, I consider myself a pretty well-evolved person in far, as far as animals go. And and I now looking back and what I am now compared to what I was five years ago, I feel like I was a big doofus back then. And I still have a now I recognize how much farther I still have to go, but. Uh, the, as I was saying, the thing that I really love about your activism is you managed to create something that for a lot of people is instant transformation. It's just that they watch that movie and they are changed. And to me, that is like, I mean, that's as good as it gets in far, as far as activism goes. Uh, and, and I don't even know that you thought of that as activism at the time. It seemed more of like um, art and expression, uh, a communication from yourself um but to me by my my sort of working definition of activism which is like to create positive change do do stuff to create positive change for others um the fact that your movie you know i don't know that everybody has an amazing instant transformation but i do know that some people do and i personally did myself like i have since then just don't look at horses the same people riding horses and i feel it's like one of those things where you like you become a vegetarian or whatever and you or a non-smoker or whatever and you just look back and you judge so hard at the people who uh you know who are still uh unevolved or whatever and i i'm out in a town now where there's a lot of uh people sort of doing the old ways with horses and uh you know i it's hard for me to not just look and be like you you ignorant people looking at where you're, you know, and I'd try and be sympathetic and understanding that they, uh, you know, that it's hard to see that. Like, I mean, even you went so long without really seeing it, even fully loving horses and stuff. Um, it can be easy to be desensitized, I guess, when it's to serve a purpose. Like it, it's when you're using these things to achieve an end or whatever, you know, using these animals to achieve an end. Um, I don't know if that, that's not really a question, but I just wanted to let you know, like the, how impressive that was for me that you, and, and, and really great in that you took just a, the, you, you just walk through in the movie, uh, spoiler alert, uh, the, you, how the transformation, the things that you saw that you have the segment about bits basically, uh, that just, and it's this moment in the movie that is undeniable where you show all these, um, you know, still frames, basically, I think it was, of, of horses with bits, and they are hating it. Like, it's just one after another after another. Hating it is the softest way to put it. Their expressions are, like, agonized and tortured and stuff. And, uh, and it just causes you to pause. It's not a moment you ever see, you know, with horses in real life, because it's going by in an instant, you know, like it's you don't freeze on that moment in real life for most people and you force people to freeze on that moment and be like, you know, this is a moment that those individuals, those horses are experiencing. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 you know, changed the way I saw the world and I know it's done so for thousands of other people. And I think that's just, 
you know, fantastic. Like you can pack it up, retire as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. It's, it has been amazing to me too, the way people receive it and, um, you know, what a blessing that that's available, you know, something that takes an hour and can change your whole perspective. And I have had people write me that say they immediately stopped writing, they immediately stopped using bits, or they immediately changed their career plans or put their horses in sanctuary. And, you know, what what an amazing thing to be part of. Yeah, honestly, I got to tell the listeners, I have chills right now. I'm not kidding. Um, just from thinking about sort of, it's a combination of the actual film, and I'm just like, I'm an activist junkie. So to me, that just, it's like a master, you know, moment of, of, of activism that just makes me really excited because it, um, you know, it's like this, it's like discovering a little gem that when you look at it, you, um, it, it you know, shows you things you didn't see before. And, uh, yeah, it's it's really great. Um, so let's scroll way back to very young Marina, maybe even well, probably not before the name Stormy came into play, but uh, way back in the day, um, you're you know you're I I would call you pretty much a full fledged full time activist at this point. It's what your whole life is pretty much about. We'll talk about that you know more current stuff in a, in a few minutes. But uh, what about like way back when? Do you, do you think has there been seeds of this? Has there been um, have there been um, instances or episodes uh, back in the past? I mean, when what would you consider like your first act of of something resembling activism uh, from you know whenever whenever that might have been? Was it this? Was this the first time that you uh, you know in the mid two thousands kind of turned to make change in the world and take action like that? Or had it been something that, um, you know, you, you've done in the past and we're growing into? Yeah, I think, I think there's always been a thread of, I want to find out how to make this place kinder and gentler for everybody. And when can, when's the first time you remember that thinking that I remember being very little and my mom watching, uh, this was back in the seventies. She was watching, a. um, on TV, there was a fundraiser to feed starving children in Ethiopia, and they showed the starving children with the distended bellies, and my mom was classic, crying. And, classic 80s yeah, moment. Yeah, my mom was just crying and crying and calling my, her, you know, my grandmother to send the money to feed these children. And so um, as I grew up, I saw that the world is a pretty harsh place. You know, I did my own traveling and... Um, checking out what's true and what's distortion. And so, you know, I was lucky to have horses in my life, but through that, you know, whether it's be kinder to horses or be kinder to humans, that really seems like the the thread of what I've been trying to find out here in this lifetime. And so what about um, actions? Did you ever do anything, um, you know, when you were younger or high school age or any of that um, along that path? Like, what, have you been doing things uh, for horses in the past beyond just kind of befriending them and, and having them be a part of your life or, or so on? Yeah, mostly that. Mostly trying to fit in, you know, trying to be the best at whatever I could be, you know, like I also love to paint and to take 
photographs and so I've I've gone do graphic arts I've gone kind of into each of those fields to to find love to find understanding to find how even the unlovable can be loved right and so and so that all um basically kind of built and and accumulated the the learning and the different skills because you actually use our you continue to use our in your activism and in your work up until you know these days and like today you, or i don't know about today today but you share on facebook uh, artistic renderings of horses and and are you're trying to move people through art for sure and uh which actually brings us to the movie because i haven't told listeners the most interesting part uh, well one of the most interesting parts about the whole path of the horse um thing which is and correct me again if i'm wrong you sold your house you you quit your all your doings with uh c- conventional horse training judging the whole circuit stepped out of basically all the things that you were doing uh, on those fronts shut it all down and turned your purpose towards what it has now become and uh s- again sold your house to fund the traveling and the research and the and the camera work and so on that it would take to make that movie. Is that all pretty accurate? Yep, that's what I did. Yeah, that, yeah. And in your mid 30s or so, mm-hmm. right? And so you know, again, you got all the I've got these different things that I love about act, you know, like it's a, an activist can make me excited because like uh they're super bold, like uh, like feminine, like those people the I was just seeing them there the women in like Russia and stuff who uh, go naked for causes and they're, they're burning ISIS flags topless and stuff just to raise attention. And I love people who do crazy creative things like that. I love people who plug away at stuff for, uh, you know, decades until with no real, like necessarily tangible results until they finally get that. There's all these different kinds of characteristics of activists that I, uh, that I really love. And, the activist who basically draw, dumps everything that they knew because they've they've learned they've come to a decision they've come to a conclusion that that they've got to serve a different purpose and that this is a calling basically to them and and in the literal sense of a calling basically it calls them away from everything that they've been doing and everything that they know and uh, and they step into this whole new path. And, and create it, usually in that case, create a whole new path. I mean, people who have that kind of transformation, they uh, tend to be starting something new, all new to humanity, kind of, because it's it's this personal, um, you know, accumulation that has finally built up. And uh, so, yeah, k- kudos again on that. Obviously, I mean, kind of a, an insane choice to make by many measures, you know, um, did you th- feel that at the time? I mean, what? Yeah, you know? I mean, it really is not a smart thing to try and um, build your own career that involves teaching people to not ride horses. Um, so yeah, and shed shed almost everything that you've learned to start just from scratch again, right? And learn it's like learning a whole. You you mastered the English language, and you're like, I'm not going to speak in English anymore. I'm going to speak in Arabic, and I don't know Arabic yet, but I I can start watching videos and talking to people about it, and I'll you know start from there, and 
And, right, uh, except with speaking Arabic, there's a group of people that speak Arabic. Yeah, that's where good I was point. going. It's that's like, <laughs> you know what? This is really not going to be popular for a really long time. But there, although you, you yeah, did, there are there ahead. are people, there are people that that's what I was got say. it right you, away and got it sooner than I did. And yeah, that's a, you you sort of uh, adventured around the globe a bit in the research for the movie. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. And met people like in Russia and all these different people who like, uh, who's the guy in Russia who basically uh, he sort of like dances with them, right? And they, he has them counting. He has horses. Well, yeah, I think you're talking about Alexander Nevsarov. I am. And he's really the one that I've followed because he um, is the one that was really exploring the, the inner path of who am I in relation to this animal. And he's not selling things. He's not promoting his horsemanship method. He's exploring with horses. So he did, he taught horses Latin and many of his students still do. Um, but in that he, you know, he stopped riding obviously. And, and this is my, the best I can do at translating his transformation is he, saw that the horses were asking to just be horses. So that's what he and his wife, Lydia, feel is the best now is let horses be horses. And I couldn't agree more. Like the more I know horses as their own beings, the more I want to help them do that more and more. I mean, they're kind of like the natives that we took their land from. And now what can I do? Well, I can be the best steward or guardian I can in helping them live the rest of their years in peace and harmony and stable herd structure and and still taken care of because most of them, were, they all were born in captivity and um, they're very bonded with humans, especially mine because I only have three here. So they each get a lot of individual attention. So, I mean, I'm kind of going off into the next question that I usually get, which is, well, so you're saying we should turn them all out in the wild? And so I'm I'm answering that right now. So actually, you touch upon something, and this is a huge tangent off of the sort of activist insider story thing, but listeners are going to have to get used to that when there's a guest relating to animals, because this is, to me, one of the most fascinating areas of of, uh, for myself and I think for, for humans going forward. Um, it's so, so I, I've been watching, I keep seeing all these videos on YouTube of different kinds of animal interactions and human animal interactions that, uh, I mean, like a lot of things on YouTube, we never used to see these like, um, before, you know, in the eighties and the nineties when there wasn't video sharing happening every day, um, you wouldn't see like the guy who hangs out with lions and like has the big lion that jumps up and hugs him and rides around on his back and stuff like that. Uh, or you wouldn't see the, the duck feeding the uh, fish, you know, which I've seen a couple of videos of that recently, or the, uh, there's one with a, a guy, or, uh, no, maybe a woman, um, doing this sort of laying, ballet type of thing with a horse. It's been a couple of years since I saw that one, but just this wild sort of slow laying on the ground kind of dance thing that I can interpretive dance almost, um, you know, with a horse. And 
So do you have any thoughts on, you know, how like that seems to me, especially because of the videos, then you then you get acceptance of that sort of thing. People are like, oh, uh, people can dance with a horse or a guy can hang out with lions or, you know, ducks feed bird or feed uh, fish. And it's something now you're like, oh, that that's part of how the world works. I didn't really think ducks we're hanging out feeding fish, but apparently that happens. Um, and same thing, you know, horses learning Latin or uh, whatever, dogs doing, you know, dogs and cats doing amazing fun things and all this stuff. So do you have any thoughts on that, on sort of the, it's almost like breaking down the barriers of discrimination or whatever that, you know, have we've all just taken for granted uh, living in like a human centric world we don't really think about animals just hanging out with each other. We don't really think about um, animals as our peers that we would like, you know, necessarily give piggyback rides to or uh, dance with or so on. But now we're seeing on the web that like that there that is a thing that people do do that sort of stuff. Uh, that that is um, part of the world, you know, is that animals aren't just a, a given animal. Uh, it isn't necessarily just that wild animal you used to see on, on National Geographic or uh, what's its name, uh, Mutual of Omaha's show there, I can't, Wild Kingdom, um, 80s reference, um, that it's not just that, that, you know, a, a monkey can become best friends with a duck or whatever. Um, any thoughts on all that? Because you spend a lot of time hanging out with horses, you know, not riding them, not doing any of the stuff that humanity has mostly done with horses that, you know, 99.9% .9 of people think this is what you do with horses. This is how horses are. This is what, how it works. Uh, they're either being ridden or they're being worked or they are in herds, you know, running around in the, on the wild plains or whatever. Um, but you are trying to live in concert with them and, and live as peers with them at a certain level uh, and give them, you know, uh, autonomy, uh, while also being like a guardian, you know, like you're still, um, caring for them and so on. They don't have hundred percent. You're not just setting them off. Like you were saying, you're not just setting them off into the wild. Uh, so what a lot of ideas there. What are your thoughts on that sort of stuff? Well, or do you need a better yeah, question? <laughs> um, I do have some thoughts. Um, and it, it okay. Um, Hmm. there's a beautiful expression of relationship that can happen as you were saying between any any two beings and i think you know people have evolved enough to see that and and we can see it now because like you said of the internet and the ability to stream video we've all seen the the friendships that we thought were unlikely happen and that is certainly possible with a horse and but for me that's not nearly the end of the journey that's like a step along the journey um and now um it looks it, it depends on what the person needs like if it's a kid or if it's somebody that needs healing who can't get along with humans then beautiful you know, I'm so happy that animals are here to 
give us something to love if you can't love another human. But then that's the thing for me is I realize I'm healed enough. I got to, I got to be with people because I can't help anybody see how to be more gentle if they're hurting inside. So how can I help a hurting person? You know, I know how to help a hurting horse, but now how can I help a hurting person? So if, you know, it's tempting for me to stay out in the pasture and, you know, develop all these new beautiful dances with these horses and, um, but I, it doesn't really feel good anymore because there's something else that I'm called to be doing that is more directly in the world of humans. And so I guess in summary, I'd say beautiful. The dances are beautiful and how cool to see it. Um, but let's keep going. Let's, let's keep seeing ourselves and seeing what is really needed in this world today. Well, yeah, that, and that's a good segue into, uh, into bringing up the point that you're not just, you know, an animal person, not just an animal activist, that you have, uh, woven that, uh, together basically with a broader purpose of, um, I mean, broadly speaking, kind of, uh, you know, uh, um, saving the world, uh, peace, and, and just sort of increasing overall uh, wellness, you know, uh, uh, is how I would describe what I kind of get from you. Uh, you have it more specifically. You're working on uh, helping homeless people, helping feed people in your local community. Uh, that's a big part of it. Um, how do you but, – but you do – you connect it all too. So is there a way, can you somehow uh, elaborate a little more on how you see it all as sort of the same thing, the same purpose, this all part of a big mission? Yeah, I would say, I mean, is that an accurate way to, so say the mission is to uplift humanity. And, you know, I've been working on this enough to know that the answer is to uplift myself. So what can I do to uplift myself? There's there's a lot of things that I already do, but there's more. Like growing up, I didn't learn the value of service to any great extent. You know, it was all, you know, do your best yourself so you can get the best job, so you can get enough money, so you can have your own family. Instead right. of um, actually you're going to feel happier if, you place more importance on helping others, you know, once you yourself are healed enough to be in that space. Um, Right. Right. Yeah. And finding that, finding that the, the healing and the finding your own art, finding your own sense of creation, the things that you, you know, finding what you believe, you know, and and your purpose. Right. Like seeing what's needed in this moment. Like if I'm awake and present and standing in my town, I look around there's some people that look like they could use somebody to walk up to them and say, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? Do you need anything? Are you hungry? Do you, do you have a safe place to stay tonight? Like that to me right. is a superhero, is somebody who would walk up and do that and take care of those of us that don't have family to take care of them for whatever reason. 
So uh, you're you're I would call you a kind of super empathetic and caring person. Like you said, you you see people who are hurting, and your instinct uh, is is now like you were saying, not necessarily always was, but is now. Um, what can I do to help? How can I help alleviate? How can I help that particular person? Uh, you know, and it is to, to you uh, a person by person thing. It's uh, you know, you don't think necessarily. Well, you do think in the big broad abstracts, but you definitely bring it to like that guy right there is hungry. Let's help him get food, or that guy right there needs uplift, or whatever, uh, or or woman. I'm sorry, I was being sexist. Um, <laughs> two guys, they're bumming. Actually, that was opposite of sexist. I guess it was reverse sexist because the women are fine in in that scenario, and the two guys are blowing it. Um, but uh, <laughs> sorry, just being silly. Um, what? How? It, I guess it's the path of the horse is is how you got to that, right? I mean, that, that's sort of how it connects. Is that you you were just doing your thing for your stuff. You were working and following the track and getting your house and having your job and doing you know help uh, uh, tra- training people who were coming to you to kind of get you know get their stuff. And everybody was about kind of uh, achieving these goals and stuff and very directed. And you had the the circuit and the schedule you know of, of different things. And you're just kind of following all that. And then you uh, realized. I mean, fill in the well, like there, happiness wasn't there, joy wasn't there, fulfillment wasn't there. It was, you know, it was hurting my body to be riding those horses, riding young horses, riding bucking horses, riding, you know, a spooking horse. It was hurting the horses. It was not, and and the it was like traumatic. It was. It was right? traumatic. Yeah. And and again, looking ahead to the top people in the in the field it's like that didn't look like any less trauma i mean they were out with broken collarbones and broken legs and horses who knows what's happening to the horses it's just it's rough it's a rough world in the way i used to do things um and you know i'm trying to bring compassion to that but then it's like you know it's so going back a little bit you were saying um how anyway there's this part i want to say about um, I'm really seeing like if if we can start writing new stories where it's not about you have to hurt the villain, it's about how can you help the villain. That villain is the one who's crying out the loudest for help, for a friend, for a mentor, for somebody to say, you know, hey, man, you want to go get some coffee instead of doing that bomb? <laughs> I mean, <Right. laughs> really, it's, it comes down to that. And if you look at all the... Disney movies and kids movies and movies in general. I was just gonna I was just gonna mention Despicable Me. That's I mean that's pretty much the premise of that movie, which is you know the, this ultimate bad guy, but uh, he really just wants friends and you know needs to find like his heart. Yeah, you know? and that 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 is what heals. Yeah, the Grinch actually mm-hmm. same thing. The Grinch is still Christmas exact same thing. Um, but we forget, and and we watch these other movies where Tinkerbell punches Hook in the nose. I mean, that's kind of a violent thing to do. Rather than, hey, Hook, yeah, Hook, how can we help you? Because it looks like you're pretty miserable. Yeah, he doesn't get a lot of empathy, that guy, right. Captain Hook. <laughs> that's, I'd never really thought right. about that, but yeah, everybody's pretty much like, yeah, throw him right. in the alligator. Right, <laughs> and who knows what happened to him Threw as a kid, him. and... 
the garbage that he's seen because no doubt he's copying it. That's what people do. They copy each other. So I wonder. Yeah. So how can we say you're bad? You're wrong. Like I can't say a horse is bad or wrong. They're just doing what a horse does. A bad person is just doing what they're doing because that's how they learn to do it. And, you know, there is a lot of mental illness and that looks ugly. But I mean, I, I could see the extent would be restrain somebody who's really freaking out. But otherwise, I mean, I would take all the violent people and all the people that believe violence is the solution and send them to Club Med, you know, send them to somewhere where they're taken care of and taught other ways of resolving conflicts than hurting each other. Yeah, that tough to accomplish that in today's political environment, I would say, you know, or to, like, that's actually, that kind of is, um, leads me to another point I wanted to mention about you, which is that you don't really, you're not a, much of a political uh, type activist. You don't really just uh, seem to kind of go down that road very much. I maybe have seen one or two little political posts about, you know, something really bad's going on with horses or something there. You might, pass it on with people but uh for the most part you're not which feeds into the sort of not focusing on the negative or attacking the villain you're about like let's figure out some positive stuff and we'll do that and uh you know rise the tide or you know lift all boats kind of with the rising tide um does yeah. that sound yeah like absolutely accurate? I, I yeah and that's a conscious conscious oh, yeah. choice right absolutely. i mean that's a tactical cho- is it also personal? Like, because um, I mean, there's a lot of the political side. It's such a combative, uh, you know, atmosphere, and and, and like a never-ending, um, you know, war type of uh, environment. Uh, consciously avoiding that for yeah, personal well, reasons, as well as sort of strategic it's reasons. Distracting. You know, if I spent my day working on political campaigns, I wouldn't be working on inner peace and in inner peace it comes from focusing on peace and being around peaceful people and co-creating peaceful situations so you know it's really like like building the next cool thing like the mp3 players taking over the cd which took over the record you know and if you're fighting the record you're never going to get the mp3 player so, you know, politics are what they are and, you know, the economic system is what it is and it, it functions as it functions. But but what I'm exploring is something different than that. So it can do what it wants and I'm working on creating um, like almost different set of beliefs, you know, like you don't have to... Um, like money and time aren't necessarily tied together. Well, you're, it, it, I mean, part of it is kind of that you're, you're not, well, and this is what you're saying, I guess I'm just restating it, is that you're not modeling off of the past. Right. Or I'm, I'm not trying to work within the current system much other than, you know, I do live in a house and I do pay PG&E and, um, you know, I I do... Yeah, you're not looking to work outside of it either, necessarily. You're just not looking to uh, work like with the system, per se, within it, right. but not necessarily right. like 
engage with it and follow its rules and and uh, play by its sort of playbook. Right, it's more like build the new reality, you know, build the new sanctuaries, which is happening. And then as as I meet people, we can understand together what's important in this moment. And it's probably not having to do with working harder at a traditional job so that I can buy the next thing. Right, or or electing Democrats and Republicans so that they can have another Congress of conflict or, or right. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, talk to me for a minute about uh, sacrifice. I guess, uh, as I mentioned before, I mean, you do you you have like a family situation. You probably occasionally do recreational things. Uh, and you know, you do some stuff here and there to make a living, but for the most part, as far as I know, uh, your whole life kind of is about these things. It's about, uh, again, I define it broadly, but activism and changing the world for the better and, and trying to help people. It's pretty much what you wake up every day to do. Does that sound right? Yeah, but it's more like it, it gets me, you know, like my job is just get present, get quiet. And then that's what I feel inspired to do. But a lot of people, they get quiet for a second and they get inspired to go jet skiing or, uh, you know, watch a football game or even just, you know, read a book or whatever. And you get inspired to uh, do kind of uh, selfless work that, that might not even... Um, you know, that, that might be frustrating. It might be, it, it, it could be of questionable reward because you're forging into new and challenging territories and stuff. It's going to maybe take a long time before you, you see fruits from it. So, I mean, you, you choose what speaks to you is to say, and I, and I'm not, I mean, it's, it's the same with me. That's why I'm asking the question kind of, um, you know, what speaks to you is, uh, you know, go, go take on this really challenging uh, task and try and uh, change people, you know, rather than jet skiing. Right. And I think uh, that's my art these days. You know, like in art, you well, even back in painting, I wanted to create something beautiful. So now I realize I can create art on a global scale, like make a movie or come up with a picture and words that can go around the world and be seen and thought right. of. Um, so so it's you know it's a tricky position because it it's kind of powerful but the more um, smaller and humble i can feel in my real daily life the more the the beauty that comes through is Beautiful. I don't know how to finish that sentence. The more beauty comes through. <laughs> right. Um, how do you feel about, like, people see you as a leader. They see you as, um, a, like, a thought leader, but you're also a leader. I mean, you have the Our Horses organization. 
You have a project we haven't even gotten to and may not get to talking about called Gratitude Bowls, which people can check out at gratitudebowls.org, uh, which is an uh, effort to feed the homeless up in your local area, the Sierra Nevadas, um, by using basically extra food from restaurants uh, that, that homeless people can just come and get if they're available. Um, so so you, uh, how do you feel about the sort of the, the weight or the burden or the responsibility of being a leader? You've also got all these people, and you've probably already kind of passed it, but for, you know, you had a lot of pressure probably in those first few years of uh, sort of casting off the old ways with the horses and all that and, and all your associates, basically, everybody that you knew uh, and worked with all the time, um, having to, uh, you know, you actually didn't, don't, don't seem like you tried to lead them all to a new way, you know, right off the bat, but you still um, had that sort of all eyes on you because you are doing this and and the pressures of that so how do you handle or how do you feel about that that pressure of of there's these people who are counting on you there's people who are always looking to you for advice you've got people writing in because they because you're now considered an expert in this uh you know burgeoning field of of dealing with horses in a different way and seeing horses in a different way um how do you feel about that yeah it's interesting you phrase it like that because i i really don't see it like that I, no, I feel like you kind of don't. My job is to merge. I mean, like the less separation, the better. So I'm not. Wait, wait, Claire, you mean merge yourself or between N- you and others? Y- yeah, to feel less separation between me and others. You know, so like the, okay. if if I am others, I, how can you even have a leader? I mean, you're all together, you know, and sometimes one person's going to lead one way for a step and then another person's going to lead another way for a step and then another person's going to lead another way for a step. And it's really about dancing with humans and getting myself in the company of humans that are further along that path to peace than I am. Um, so the, the, I really don't spend time leading. I mean, and I, when I, I, that's kind of a, something I fight against now is me trying to take people my own way. I mean, really I I'm trying to serve and blend in and, um, but serve something higher, you know, serve these other people that are creating beautiful things in the world. Like my friends up in Ashland at sanctuary 13, um, Ren and others up there are, are, creating this beautiful program to bring horses and humans together. Really, I mean, I, I just sit back and marvel at the way she does the work because it's so authentic and real. And, and I feel um, just blessed that I can relax and, and see, see how she's creating this vision of sanctuary and, helping humans and helping animals. Um, so, so yeah, I think, and I think that's kind of the way of the future is, is any lead, any leader that I'm going to be following is going to be one that helps us all come together, less separation. 
So, so you see yourself, I guess, if, I mean, you say you don't think of yourself as a leader, but you are effectively kind of in, in real life uh, doing some leading, but I guess you would call it you're, that you're more of like yeah. an enabler, uh, yeah. a catalyst. I, I, I can point to where uh, I see cool things happening and say, wow, look at this, look at this. And, and I think that's, you know, the, the next movie I'm working on, The Path of the Human, that's kind of what it's about is looking at the ways that we're already well on our way towards a peaceful world. And, you know, if I can add some fuel to that fire, um, great. But it's not me leading. It's me looking around and seeing who's already doing it. Right. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm just listening and thinking. I'm sorry, I'm supposed to be interviewing and I'm just kind of soaking that in. Um so what advice would you give to new activists? Or or um yeah, let's say Well, I guess either way. You got your your sort of your fifteen year old, your seventeen year old or whatever, your twenty one year old who's in college, who's all fired up, who's like ready to rock the world. Uh, but the, or you've got your sort of um, regular adult who was just kind of going on with life, but who is now in their 30s or their 40s or their 50s, and they've reached a, a boiling point or a, a point, a moment of transformation where they need to, you know, do the things that they need to work towards uh, what it is that, that is important to them. And they can't sit idle anymore. Uh, you have any advice or thoughts or, um, you know, from your experiences of doing this, I guess, almost around 10 years now, huh? Since you've been sort of had the activist hat yeah, on well, I at guess some level? If, if that's defined as um, really gone against popular mainstream culture, it's been about 10 years. Um, yeah, well, working to achieve change, that's kind of against, you know, by, by def- uh, definition, Sort of going against the mainstream, you know, because the mainstream is, yeah. is status quo. Yeah, so I I would say just live your dream. Do don't you know travel and do what you want to do. Don't don't let people tell you no. Try it, you know, because probably the worst that you think is going to happen is probably not going to happen, and the best certainly can't happen if you don't do something different. Um. So. Yeah, go for it, go for it, keep going for it. And, you know, at some point for me, it led me to, oh, I keep doing the same things over and over again, and this still isn't happy or fun, so what can I do differently? And then try that. And, you know, that walking the path that way led me to find... um people who could walk the path in a way that looked really good to me looked like wow these people can really work it out these people can um take care of not only themselves but others in a real way like really be there really even if it's they can really listen to you this person can really listen to me this person really doesn't get bothered with whatever I, you know, I, you know, I've never seen this person angry. How is that so? Um, so, you know, if if somebody is on this path of what's going on in this world, hopefully you'll find that and don't give up till you have because the people are out there 
and some of them are are regular spiritual teachers and some of them are animals and I think that I think that um that the the catalyst for awakening or the you know the whatever it is it's going to push you to to change or to to make a shift or to to choose a new path I actually think and I don't know I, I it's not something I've thought through a lot but I I kind of think it's like it's always available to people, you know, and it's sort of like something comes along and that becomes not like the excuse, but it, it, it's like a handy sort not, you know, not an excuse, but a valid, a validation. This thing happens. So now you can, uh, you know, uh, get really involved in, in such and such. Sometimes it's a personal thing, like some, uh, you know, like the woman who founded Mothers Against Drunk Drivers or whatever. Uh, she certainly could have been against drunk drivers and probably was, uh, you know, before her son, I forget if it was his son or daughter or whatever, uh, before her family member got impacted by it. But then that happened and, you know, uh, she saw the light and decided, okay, I'm going to start a national organization and try and really, you know, change things on a huge scale. She obviously could have chosen that, you know, at any point uh, or used just an article about some other kid dying in a drunk driving accident could have been the thing that she said, Oh, well, this is, that's one too far or whatever, you know? Uh, so I do kind of feel like, um, it's the opportunity or the excuse or the trigger event is available to you uh, kind of as soon as you start looking at it, it's like it, it ties into what you were saying about horses or, you know, what I sort of was analyzing about your, what you were saying about horses, which is that it's not that they started saying, Hey, we don't like bits. It's uh, that you started listening to them saying, you know, we don't like bits. And you're like, hey, wait, what are they saying? Oh, now I, now I hear what they're saying. Yeah, or, you like know, bits. I always yeah. knew it, but I believe the story of, well, sorry, but you got to do this. You know, like you believe the story that, sorry, but you got to have a collar and a leash. But, right. you know, if you lived on a yeah, yeah, huge even ranch, I realized you wouldn't need a collar and a leash, but you don't, so you do. Yeah, yeah, and don't tell the authorities, but my 15-year-old dog Mojo doesn't need a collar and a leash and doesn't use one. So, um but but you know, I've got younger dogs with um uh less training and uh, there's the dangers and the worries and all that stuff and there's the laws and uh I definitely do kind of just accept it even though I hate it and I think it's, it's it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like it's the the total answer to that issue, you know, to that problem. It doesn't seem like we've kind of gone far enough and truly figured out what the best way to do that is. Um, so it's a very imperfect, you know, solution that puts me in a paradigm that I don't like where I'm the, you know, I'm holding my, basically my friend, <laughs> like on a leash with a collar, you know, which I would obviously never do with an actual human friend. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's weird. Um, uh, are there any particular resources or tools or techniques or methods, uh, anything that you've learned or figured out that helps you get things done faster, better, um, more, you know, on a practical side of things? Anything that you um, think you have figured out how to, you've kind of figured out hacks yeah, for, uh, life hacks for? A big good one is how to be happy. I found out that you just just something you learn you know you just practice it and you learn it and then you don't have to worry about being happy i think that there's studies that say that 10 percent of a person's happiness depends on their circumstances and the other 
90% is on how they interpret them. Well, so, that a, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Recommend that as a life hack. Learn how to be happy. And it, there's, it, look, there's people who teach how to be happy, and it, it works. Yeah, you're actually reminding me of something I was I was going to mention a minute ago, which is that you uh, that that your path sort of you you said it was you know that you weren't happy with the way things were going, you didn't enjoy uh, the sort of day to day of of what you were doing with your time and with your life, and even with this these animals that you loved and stuff, it wasn't. Um, you know, translating into a positive experience for you. And I was going to, I didn't want to interrupt you at the time, but in my head, I was like, so you're, so it was selfish, basically. You, you know, all this sort of selflessness uh, ultimately grew out of this selfish goal to like just be happier and enjoy your life. And, uh, and it's interesting that, um, you know, that I think it, not to get too philosophically profound or whatever, but that that's, like this sort of ideal is you head towards happiness and on that journey towards happiness, you find like purpose and you find what you're meant to do and what you're meant to be and how you fit into the world. Um, and that's like the true ideal is that you're not forcing it. You're not like going to do something uh, struggling against the natural current you're like searching around until you find that natural current that is your current. And then once you're in that, it's just yeah, basically well flow like to use mm-hmm. the popular word. Um, neat. Cool. Well, all right. So uh, we got to, we got to wrap up pretty much. And so the final part of the interview is generally going to be, and we've covered a lot of it. I mean, if people aren't sold on, on uh, your cause yet, um, then you know that's a little bit on them because I think the the you know the things that you're pursuing are um, uh, kind of arguably or uh, inarguably um, uh, positive goals. Uh, but there is so there's there's our horses and which is ourhorses.org, dot uh, org and people can go check that out and that you're you're working on kind of. Uh, just evolving people's understanding of horses and you've also in a more practical sense are working on sanctuaries uh transforming the way that horses yeah, actually, live Yeah, I would say own? they're more human sanctuaries. There's horses there, there's a lot of animals there living in harmony with the people, but really it's they're human sanctuaries for right now it's more for humans who want to come and want to experience this different way by being in company with these different people with these people that are really working on themselves and living in harmony with the animals around them as well. Right on. And then the, you also have, uh, oh, so, and then I know you don't like to be oppositional, but if you, if, if someone forced you to say to someone who rides horses, someone who is in this, the zone you used to be in, who's just going along and they love their horse. Let's just give them the benefit of the doubt. So I'm not talking about necessarily horse racers and the, the people who are really just, uh, you know, making a um, industry out of it. And, and probably a lot of them maybe are just too desensitized to even want to listen. And they've got the material, you know, motivation to not listen. Uh, but, but so, let's say someone who is just a horse owner, horse lover, uh, but they they follow the conventional, road they they use a bit they use a, a 
saddle. They break horses in order to train them, you know, break their will basically, uh, work against the horse until the horse is like, you know, dominate the horse kind of and use those sorts of methods. Uh, again, not out of any ill will, but just because that's how it is. That's how they've always learned it. They don't know a lot of other options. Um, I mean, what, and, the, and let's say the person wants to hear it. They're not super <laughs> defensive, which I know is something that must be a huge part of the package, you know, it's uh, working because you're asking people to sort of tear down their, or, or like, almost like judge their uh, their past. You know, well, you you wouldn't ask that, but that's, it comes with the package almost to have to realize that what you were doing in the past was not good, you know. Um, so all that prelude, what would you say to someone based on what you've learned and what you've understood, uh, if to, if they said, "Well, help me understand it, so that I I want to I want to I want those um, tumblers to take over in my head as quickly as possible," um, what would you say to to help them reach the insight that you've reached? Well, it, it good. Which I know yeah. goes against your nature. No, in but general. if the person's <laughs> genuinely asking, gun to your head, you have yeah, to. No, if they're genuinely the asking, I would definitely send them to Alexander Nevsarov's school online. That's a free school, and there's lots of help there. And um, but I I like the analogy of of carrying somebody on your back, or even a, a backpack on your back. You know, it, it sometimes it's kind of okay, and sometimes it's kind of a drag. Um, but the horse is very sensitive. You know, there's studies now that there a study that says that horses might even feel more pain than humans. They just express differently. So because of the nature of their, like the, the way their back tissue yeah, is or something. Yeah. Right? Isn't that kind their of how it was? anatomical structure is not designed to bear a vertical load from above. And it, there's, a lot of damage that goes on under the skin that you can't see. But even, I mean, you have to ask the question, why? Why do I really need to get on this horse's back? And if you have a valid reason you really need to do it and you can't think of any other way, then you got to do what you got to do. But, I mean, it comes down to who you want to be. Like, do you want to know in your heart that you really don't have to get on this horse's back? And it may mean it. I I wanted to I wanted to find that line, so I thought, well, if I can do it all with no tack, you know, the horse comes up to the fence, lets me get on, lets me ride off, which I did, by the way. And no, no tack, saddle, no bridle, no saddle, nothing. The horse no no, walks up to me in no a ropes. field, stands right. next to a rock, knowing that I'm going to get on, and we go for a ride. I I did that. It can right. be done. It, it's you know, part of the dance. But then, like I said, you move on and you realize there's other things to do in life besides test out whether it's okay to be on the back of a horse. But again, do it if you need to do it, but keep going, you know, don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck there. Because I was going to say, um, you know, being a little bit of a devil's, not even devil's advocate, but uh, you know, I, to me, the classic image of a horse lover is, uh, and I, this is probably a stereotype, but also probably accurate, is a woman who, uh, you know, is, is, has a positive and healthy, lo- loving relationship with riding the horse and so on. 
And just, uh, it's from movies, really. You see the woman riding, and they're just, they're digging it. You know, the horse is going, they're going, and you, it, you just get this idea that, uh, and obviously it's meant to be portrayed that way, that they are uh, together in this exhilarating moment together, and, and it's enjoyable. And that it's the horse also, you know, not just the woman uh, or rider or whatever. Uh, I, when I think of men, I think of their their cowboys and stuff. They're using the horses more. But the women, like, uh, more, you know, just traditionally would just ride for riding's sake, dressage reasons and such. Um, uh, but, yeah, that they're into it. That, that not only the woman is getting a rush and enjoying it, that horse is getting a rush and enjoying it, too. And uh, well, so you, it sounds like you're saying there's a way – that's probably maybe acceptable or even, you know, like, okay for the horse in the middle there without the tack and so on, where it's truly voluntary and truly where the horse is just has every opportunity to refuse that option and, uh, and, you know, chooses it. And that, the, that, so that they could still have that relationship, that thrill, well, that there, activity, there, but there is a in cost. a way that's, there you is know, a cost to the horse's body. Like you can't say that the horse's body won't be damaged. No matter what. You don't know. Just like you're probably hurting the necks of your dogs by pulling on the collar. You know, and that's just. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. You know, like some parents willingly, they want to put their kids on their shoulders or carry a backpack and they're just going to mess it up and, and right. it's okay with them. But who am I to say? I, I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, yeah, a parent will give a kid a piggyback mm-hmm. ride or whatever, and yeah, totally voluntary. Um, but again, it's it's like not even an issue anymore for me because the world is really hurting, and there's other things I can spend my time doing than um, the time it takes to have that relationship. Just because I've had it, I've I've already had it, and if somebody hasn't had it, I don't know. I can't say what their path is. But for me, I saw, I would just say, keep going, you know, and if you want to have that, you know, try your best to love that animal and have them not in any pain at your expense, because they can live a fine life without you on their back. And, and this, you know, part of that thrill of running with a horse is a lot of times it's because that horse is kept in captivity and doesn't have a place to be out running. And really it mirrors how women have been treated for a long time which is they're bound to you know they're bound to the house bound to the children bound to the expectations of the husband and here's this moment of freedom right. on the horse i guess that's totally true in those classic mm-hmm. movie moments that i'm talking about that's exactly what they're doing is this it's the it's the woman it's the um yeah, the king's daughter or whatever who is like stuck up in the tower all the time, but she gets that moment right. of release. Right, and the, yeah, with the they horse both get that they moment. Both, they both get to be yeah, free and briefly. I'm, I'm yeah, just saying, yeah. keep going. That's true. You know, there's something beyond that that doesn't involve making the horse do what you want. It involves appreciating the horse as the horse is. Right on. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. That's our time for now. Uh, this has been just uh, everything I had hoped it could be and more. A really, uh, really awesome talk with a really awesome activist. And uh, anything else you Thank want to you. say, Stormy? Thank I mean, you, Lance. Other I appreciate the, the depth that you've gone into this on your own path. And it really shows through in a heartfelt interview. So thank you for 
creating this forum. Right on. I appreciate it. And thank you for being the, the debut guest on Activist Stories. It's been a delight.